welcome to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, and we are here to celebrate, of course, uh, of course, 15 years on the radio. And now, of course, we have the podcasts and the video casts and, and all that good thing. And we're here uh, Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday, uh, Sundays. Uh, Moan, it is Monday. Mondays at 1 a.m. and Wednesdays at uh, 9 a.m. for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We, uh, we stream the programs at those times live at richarddugan.com. And we have podcasts at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. We're also on YouTube where you can watch the interviews. And, of course, we are also linked to our guest website. We'll be giving that to you shortly so that you can find out more about the work that they are doing in making this world a better place for everybody, not just a select few. And uh, we also hope that uh, you will spend time listening to that still small voice by participating in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, and uh, just stop and listen. And we'll bring that into play as well as we talk with our guest today. If you'd like to support the work we're doing, if uh, what our guests are talking about resonates with you uh, and you'd like to do that, we would greatly appreciate any support you can give us. All you have to do is go to PayPal, put in my email address, richard at richarddugan.com, and uh, any amount is greatly appreciated. We'll take energetic support as well. Today's program is going to be focused, as the last few have actually, uh, on, uh, well, I'll put it this way. It's going to focus primarily on women. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We have, we have been talking about this for uh, some time. We're going to talk about uh, a website that kind of epitomizes this. Uh, it's, uh, the website, in this case, uh, with our guest, is um, beyondordinary.business. Interesting how we, we don't just have the .com, .net, .edu anymore. Now they've... They've expanded it, which is really kind of nice. Beyond Ordinary Business is our topic, if you will, or the, the general topic. And Claudia Rucker is my guest. Claudia, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of what I know has got to be a busy schedule for you and what you do uh, to, uh, to spend time with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I'm really grateful that you invited me to be on to share my story um, today. Well, a good friend of ours, yours and mine, um, Beth McDonald, kind of put us together here, suggesting that, you know, we have an opportunity to chat. And I think that what you're going to talk with us about is is extremely important, especially from the standpoint of what we seem to deem. Uh, and this is just this is the way it's put. I'm not saying this is the way that you think, but that our economy is more important than anything else in the universe and that if we don't do something about our economy, in other words, getting everybody back to work and making sure that everybody's businesses are making money and it's like that's the bottom line. But you're here to tell us that that isn't the bottom line. Yeah, of course, we need money to put gas in the tank and food on the table and a roof over our head and that kind of stuff. But in the final analysis, even though you are working with uh, female entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs and, and uh, uh, um, women wanting to go into business for themselves and so forth, uh, it's not all about that. It really is about relationships, isn't it? Yes, definitely. It's being in right relationship with yourself 
and then being in right relationship with those that you care about. Um, for me, doing business has, uh, well, the model is a triple profit business model uh, that we've kind of tweaked to be able to um, really focus on the people um, part of the profit. And we look at financial um, profit slightly differently, which is prosperity. Prosperity for the business owner, for all the stakeholders involved in the business, and also to bring value to the planet um, and making different decisions inside the business and then interdependently as a team at home and then and then beyond. So um, that would be the short version of um, how I would love to answer that question. Mm -hmm. I could get really nitty gritty, which I tend to uh, love to do, but I think if we just keep it at that level, it's really being in right relationship with yourself, the people that you love and care for. Uh, that that includes, you know, employees or team members, like we like to call them, and it also includes um, caring beyond just uh, um, having a relationship with the planet too. Yeah, well, I know too that that um, the concept of what business was has changed. More so because of what we all have been through uh, globally for the last two and a half years. And it kind of continues on, but maybe not quite at the level and the fervor that it had when it first started uh, back in, uh, in here in the, in the States in March of uh, 2020. Uh, and quite honestly, uh, again, uh, all due respect to those people who have gotten sick and, uh, and even have passed on, um, it has actually uh, made a significant difference in the way in which we relate to one another, in the way in which we do business with one another, in the ways in which we play. Now, granted, a lot of people are getting back to, you know, uh, their old routines and so forth. And that's okay. That's fine. You know, I, I don't have a problem with that. But we... As human beings tend to, we do, we, we first of all, we, we don't like change. We want things to stay the same, which is kind of boring in one sense. But at the same time, when change does occur, we as human beings, we do tend to adapt, don't we? I mean, you know, we, we, we some, you know, the changes usually are out of our control. So now what are we going to do, you know? And more and more people... They don't want to go to work in an office for a lot of different reasons. Uh, they like the freedom. They like the mobility. They like the flexibility of working from home, you know. And, um, you know, some companies, boy, they're, they're getting really, quite honestly, they're getting nasty. Some of them are saying, if you don't come into the office every day like you used to, you can go work somewhere else. And then when you have the number of job openings that there are across this economy in particular, for a lot of different reasons, and I think one of them is that the pay is so low, mm -hmm. you have a lot of people who are starting their own businesses. Is Do you deal specifically with the entrepreneur or are you also dealing with, you know, companies that have 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 people uh, employed uh, you know, in terms of bringing this new model, this new business model that you're talking about uh, to the uh, to the company. 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think if we go back to the first question, which is it's it's all about relationship. Mm -hmm. I think that if we really were, um, if we're really looking at this, even pre-pandemic, this was happening. There was a lot of apathy. Um, I work mainly with empowered women um, in the professional business sector. So what we were seeing before and what I was experiencing as an entrepreneur, because prior to COVID, I, I did have my own business and the model really was um, birthed there and it was co-created with our, with our team members. And um, so I think these challenges were there, but during COVID what happened is um, we were faced with so much change and that kind of uh, gave us the courage to actually speak out and say, yeah, we're not going to do business the same way, either as employees or as business owners. Uh, as business owners, we're probably looking for a, for a solution to this challenge of having empowered employees saying, yeah, the old way doesn't work for us. And what I think is lacking um, is that relationship because Right now, in status quo business, business as we we have it, it's transactional. You come to work, and I'm going to pay you for the work that you do. In the in the beyond ordinary business framework, it is um, very relational. It it is about connection. It is about empowerment, co-creation. It is facing the complexity and the dynamic um, environment that's called business today uh, together. Mm -hmm. in relationship yeah. and that really requires different skills it requires a different leader um, and it requires a lot of trust vulnerability courage and compassion for each other and these are all typical like oh we don't want to face those or we don't want to deal with the emotional or the courage or the the compassion piece because it's tied to emotions and feelings we want to be in this trend transactional, mechanical, viewing business as a machine. And how can we just, you know, have band-aid strategies to get us to the through the next obstacle? Hmm. But business today is very different. And that's what I'm really excited about is really working with empowered women that are seeking to make their greatest contribution by being in relationship with their team members and really working together to co-create um strategies that are um able to bridge that dynamic complex business environment that we're in it it feels just very right for the moment mm. um but these but these challenges i just want to say we were having them way before covid but nobody wanted to talk about them yeah, and isn't it isn't that interesting? <laughs> there, there are so many things that are actually happening in the world that we it's not that we aren't talking about them. We don't want to talk about them, and that's why many many times we do talk them about talk about them here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and my very special guest here on the program today. Talking business, yes, but it's more than that. Business is not about the bottom line, I'll be honest with you, it's not about the bottom line anymore. I, I struggled with the concept when I was thrown into the sales department of one radio station 
Uh, I was actually hired, Claudia, by this company. They wanted me as their program director, but they didn't. They hadn't fired their current program director, so they brought me in through the sales department. Uh, I was kind of like in the waiting room, and I would I would do what salesmen do. I went out on the road. I went out to, to different businesses. And the day I was about to close my very first sale, I got the phone call on my uh, my first cell phone that they wanted me to come back to the radio station because they were firing the program director and I was to take over. And it's like, oh, man, I really wanted to close that sale. And I mean, it would have really felt good to have that first sale. Anyway, um, but I remember being told in sales meetings that it's all about relationships. And I'm thinking, that seems so disingenuous because the main goal of a salesman is to sell. And I, I, I you know, and here's the real irony. Uh, there was a company here in Santa Barbara. I don't know if you've been here, how long you've been here, but there was a company out in Goleta called um, Bargain Network. And I went to work for this company. You're familiar with it. And yeah. I hated the job. Absolutely just repulsed me. And yet, if you were to look at my numbers, I was one of their best salesmen. <laughs> and, um, you know, and my father said, you know, hey, look, Richard, you could sell ice cubes to Eskimos. All right. So just relax. But what I have found in the years since then, and that's we're talking 16 years, is that I can still pursue the dollars without irreparably, how do I put this, w without being disingenuous in regards to the relationship. What do you think about this particular philosophy, and, and do you share this maybe in, in your own words with your clients and what have you? I'm not interested in being successful. I'm interested in making you successful, because if I make you successful, then I'm successful. I I think it goes a little bit like for me it goes a little bit beyond that it's like how do I personal like if I when I was a business owner this this was kind of how I navigated uh business um it was I had a I had values that basically turned into principles and those principles were the guide they're the guardrails that helped us and me and the team um, because we aligned in them, they when they were hired, they they felt we interviewed them and and they took those principles as their own. Mm -hmm. They they saw they they understood them and they resonated with them. Um, what we then did was we used those principles in our business in our daily business interactions, how we were in relationship. Um, with each other and with our clients and with our outside partners. And with that, because the, because the team was invited to co-create and run the business together, mm -hmm. we use those principles to create business strategy. So every time that we hit a hiccup, 
we would come back to those principles and values and we would say, okay, how do we resolve this together? And so it wasn't really about me making, helping someone to be successful. It was about me um, under, living my values and principles and interdependence with a team that also shared those because we all had a unique genius that we contributed to success. Mm -hmm. And success for us was very much in alignment with the vision of the company, which was um, in the vision of our company was beauty that transforms lives. So we would always come back to that vision of like, that was the glue that held all of us together. Um, we were moving towards that vision and using our principles as guidelines. And so if, as long as we were living our values and in right relationship with each other, which sometimes meant having difficult conversations that were highly uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but, but we trusted that we would come to the right solution um, as we were moving towards that vision. So it wasn't a me and you success. It was, it was guided by values, a success for, for, for the team, for the company, and for the outside stakeholders. And I think that's what shifted for us was that we were really in alignment with each other. And we were going through business, um, trying to obtain success. And that success was not a, a success that was defined by um, outer success. It was really about inner success and, and really finding this beautiful flow of life, um, which we felt spiritually in between all the ebbs of flows of the challenges that business and life brought to us because we couldn't take the personal out of the equation. Mm -hmm. We were trying to live in um, as integrated beings, uh, both um, coming to work, understanding that what we experienced in our daily lives really had a very big impact. And to give you an example, um, there were some times when I would, um, we had a coaching philosophy and mindset there. So my role as the leader there was to coach the team to help them find their own solutions. But I was very cognizant that uh, the women that I worked with um, had difficulties in their outside life. And so I would always check in with them and I would say, hey, um, is right now a good time to have a coaching session? Or is right, and they would feel very comfortable to, to tell me, you know, today I'm under-resourced and we would just press pause and they would continue on doing what they needed to do in the business to keep it going. But they didn't have the capacity, Richard, to handle any more than just showing up and being fully present for our clients on that day. And I respected that. Mm -hmm. And in turn, that would, that's what really kept us in relationship and kept us working in this very beautiful way towards our goals. And that's what we considered success. If we could just come and be integrated human beings that were cared for and understood and mattered and were seen and valued, then to us, that was that was success. And we knew we needed to keep the money flowing because that was a vital resource. And we knew that we wanted to continue to bring other employees into this because um, there was very much a mindset of, you are our legacy in the world. So we're gonna invest in you 
And when a new team member comes in, you're going to invest in them, but we're going to, we're going to work together to keep this business sustainable because sustainability meant that we could, we could transform lives and we could change like, and disrupt our industry. Hmm. And that included business as well as, as our like professional industry, which was beauty. Well, it sounds to me an awful lot like, uh, and, and this just is the way that it is, kids. Um, the business model that we've been living under uh, for, I don't know how many decades, or maybe a century since maybe the Industrial Revolution, uh, has been very patriarchal. And also... Um, maybe not ignorant of, but certainly um, cognizant, they have to have been cognizant of the fact that, A, yes, they do have human beings working for them, but unfortunately, they didn't care that they had human beings who were just like them working for them. Uh, And to me, a lot of people get all bent out of shape with regulations. And I say, do you know why regulations were instituted, why we have them today? And I will be the first one to admit that I think regulations have gone a little over the edge, you know, a little crazy. But they were originally instituted because business refused to do the right thing. Why do you think we now have child labor laws? Okay, so um, it sounds to me like from everything you just said, you and your business model are taking into consideration the fact that, hey, look, we have human beings who have emotions, who have ideas, who have thoughts, who have feelings, who have other parts of their lives. They are not uh, dedicated to this company, okay? Any more than I should be dedicated to my company, I should... I should try to balance things out and and take into consideration that, you know, okay, they have a family, they have a wife, a husband, and this and that and the other. Oh, and, and he's going in for this, he's going a medical procedure, or, or the children are having trouble in school, or, or whatever those outside issues are that impact the way in which they are, are uh, their level of productivity. Uh, in in the workplace, wherever that workplace may be. I want to talk more about that as we continue. Claudia Rucker, my guest, um, you sort of define yourself as a business refinement consultant helping seven-figure entrepreneurs in service businesses to build, uh, to um, businesses, do business differently and, I love this, and beautifully. And we are talking about BeyondOrdinary.Business, the website, which we will be linked to as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, and I thank you so much for staying with us here on the program as we talk with Claudia Rucker, who, uh, I, and actually I like that term of a, a business refinement consultant. Refining, and of course when you refine anything, you are trying to refine it into, uh, but you also use the word alchemy. You use that uh-huh. term, and I, I, I don't think I've ever heard that term used when we've, we've talked, when we talk about, we talk about business or the workplace or the vocation that one has. I've got a vocation I've been fortunate to have been working in for 45, 43 years. Uh, and I love what I do, and, and I, I 
don't necessarily always go into it consciously where, um, you know, okay, how can I, how can I make a buck out of this kind of thing? I, it's not, that's not my intent. It's more, how can I make this person sound the best they can sound, even with all of the fumbles and foibles and what have you in, in the delivery of the script that they're reading or the, the ad lib that they're doing so that when a person listens, wow, that person is, wow, I, I need to listen to what they're saying there because it's really clean. I mean, they're, they're, they're very articulate. Now, unfortunately, then when this person goes to a live presentation, maybe they're not quite as articulate, but at least maybe their ideas have been heard. And, and that's really uh, getting rid of the distractions. How do you get rid of the distractions? Uh, or maybe that's not the right word, getting rid of. How do you, uh, what, compensate for or adjust to and for the distractions uh, or maybe just life's events uh, when you're talking with your clients uh, in trying to refine their, their business? I, I think that the best way to answer that is that the model is based on um, the seasons. And so it's based on nature. And that means that there's always time for planning, doing, reflecting, and rest. And it isn't that, re that reflection piece where we really can harvest a lot of the information that we need uh, to refine. And when, when I use the, the word alchemy, mm -hmm. it's because every person, every living person is, is so unique. And um, I think this is where we move away from status quo business, where we're just machine, like business is just machines and the people that work are them are just cogs. I, I see that very differently. I see that we're all very unique and it's, a, it's an alchemy of uh, that happens right from reflecting resting doing being in action action informs that that refinement piece and so it's all of this happens by modeling nature and and the seasons and i know that sounds crazy but it works so well and it's also about trusting that every person has their own answers and I am just here along the journey, walking side by side with them, um, just showing them a framework, uh, modeling or maybe telling stories that they can get their own ahas, tweak the information to what feels right for them and their team. And the, I've seen many of my clients go through this process with much success and they are disruptors these are these are the innovators you know like farmers markets 40 years ago were disruptors in the food you know industry oh yeah uh disrupting commodified <laughs> agribusiness um i see the women that i work with disruptors in the personal uh the per the personal service business and you know there's 6.3 million women, this is according to um, American Express's 2019 Women in Business Report, there's 6.3 women-owned businesses, half of them are in the service sector, and to me that's 3.15 opportunities to leverage their businesses for good and disrupt industry.
and bring more humanity because ultimately doing business doing business beautifully is by bringing uh, a kinder world of commerce to fruition it's about caring um that's what i hear when you speak richard mm -hmm. i hear that you care deeply about what you do you care deeply about the relationships that you're in and how you're of service to people and that's what i want people to um in to reimagine business that it you can care you can make a triple profit one for the planet one for people and a financial one that brings prosperity to people but we have to think outside of the box and we have to trust that people have their own answers and that they just need maybe a model maybe someone to hold space for them and ask them the right questions so they can get their aha moment and that's the alchemy in this whole beautiful process you use a word in the in the description of what you bring to the client uh, and their business. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, you're going to work towards helping them to make a profit, certainly, of course. Uh, but you're also going to um, uh, create a, a, a human flourishing business culture where everyone, including the, the founder, the creator, thrives. That is a key word. Uh, I will tell you that I, I use this phrase. I'm tired of surviving. Mm -hmm. I want to thrive. And I have to tell you that it's really interesting. I don't find myself in that survival mode anymore. Uh, I really do find myself in the thriving mode. I did find out that there is such a word as thrival. There is thrival. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where we don't hear about people thriving. Uh, you know, I mean, well, I, we do from time to time, especially our guests, because they've been doing the work they've been doing for so long. Do you find that, um, let, me, let me, and I'll put it this way, the question was asked of individuals by someone who is very knowledgeable in the hospitality and restaurant business. And the question was to someone who wants to open a restaurant, why do you want to open a restaurant? Well, and of course, usually the answers are, hey, I want, I want, to, I want to share some of the recipes of my family. Uh, you know, I want to feed people good food and have that, that wonderful ambiance uh, of, of uh, um, uh, you know, people in the, in, the, in, the in the building, you know, in the restaurant, and so on and so forth. And the person asking the question says, wrong answer. You go into business, into a restaurant to make money. And I thought, I don't want to do it then, because if that's the only reason or the main reason, you hear the statistics. I mean, I work with a gentleman who is, deals in the hospitality industry. And after a year, you know, a high percentage of restaurants, they fail. And after two years and three and four and five. So let's talk a little bit about this, this aspect of inculcating that thrival mentality, that, uh, that philosophy, if you will, when it comes to these uh, women entrepreneurs who, yeah, they want to they wanna make money, sure, but they have this idea and they think it's a good one and they want to they wanna share it with the rest of the world. So I think I was like one of those women when I started. Um, my story is that um, 
I, I, I've always loved business. I, I didn't go into business. I wanted to be a veterinarian, but I got a scholarship to study international business. And um, the, my benefactor that gave me that scholarship, I, I studied in Switzerland. Um, when I think I was the first graduating class, this is how this will date me, but I was the first graduating class that actually studied international business and got a degree in, in international business at, um, from Franklin University in Lugano, Switzerland. And my benefactor was the one that just saw something in me, said, you know what, she's going to be a great business person. I'm going to um, give her the scholarship to go uh, study. I come out of the university and I end up um, working for his business and I end up growing through various stages of the business. But in that process, what I understood is that I loved solving problems and I loved working with people in collaboration with solving, solving mm -hmm. problems. What I didn't like was the disharmony piece of it. Yeah. Um, and and yet business always seemed in conflict, right? Business to me was always, um, it was not harmonious. And a lot of times that disharmony cost us a lot of time and money. And to me, what I was trying to figure out in business was like, how do we find that perfect balance between um, co-creating, being financially sustainable because we need the money, piece and but to co-create people have to be happy they have to love what they were doing and we have to harness their unique genius and what i didn't really realize is that i was never going to solve that solution by looking towards status a status quo business practices mm -hmm. and that's what i think we do a little bit differently is is that we bring in some of the old right um, you know, we're very much about looking at metrics, writing business plans, but we weave nature through there, the four-step process that I was talking to you about. And at the end of the day, what we're doing is something we love to do. We're getting enough paid enough. We figured out the business, the financial piece to bring prosperity, whatever that prosperity looks like to ourselves, the business owners, and to the team. And we're doing it, we're doing it in a relationship with people that we really love. And to me, that again, that's the disruptive piece because that's what's going to give us the human thriving because life is ebb and flow, right? Challenge, solution, challenge, solution. And if we're doing it with people who we really love, contributing our unique genius, and we have some financial strategy woven through there um, that gives us a sustainability piece. And we refocus on short-term goals, right? And short-term profit and sustainability and, and move towards sustainability. Long-term, that's the magic. That's the thriving. That That's because I'm doing what I love to do. I'm getting paid well for it that brings beautifulness to my family and to those that I have to support and I'm doing with people that I love I mean how can I not thrive that's kind to the human spirit yeah um and so 
I think our I think that's that's our approach. That's what I would love to share with other entrepreneurs. I choose to work at a certain business um, size, which is the one million dollar, because at that point you really do need you you might have some processes in place. You might have um, most probably you do to get to that dollar amount, mm-hmm. but you're at that point you're working with a substantial team, and that harmony piece is critical to um, long term sustainability. And what I offer is just a framework to invite women to come into, of especially women of my generation, where we chose entrepreneurship, maybe not because we wanted to get paid more or we were worth more. We really chose it as a way to meet needs, needs of harnessing more resources, either time or, or monetary resources, because we needed to figure out that puzzle and working as employees wasn't going to give up, wasn't going to be the solution. So we chose entrepreneurship. But I find that if a, if a woman of my generation, those are the ones that I love to work with because they're really looking for that driving piece. They're really looking at how do I, I have this now, I created this business. How do I also thrive? Because as the owner, we have a lot on our shoulder. And what I want to invite them to is, hey, take some of that that responsibility, that risk, and share it with the team. And that's where thriving, that's where you will find thriving. And by taking care of yourself first and bringing wellness into your life first so that you can be fully resourced and resilient and coach the team to find their solutions and co-create them with you. Claudia Rucker's my guest here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we're talking with Claudia Rucker about uh, business, entrepreneurial ventures, uh, primarily with women. I I would take it that that's not necessarily exclusively your clientele, or or is it? Is it exclusively your clientele? No, I have have some, um, I have a, a client who's a male client who loves the philosophy and is um, really excited about it. I tend to focus mainly on women of my generation because they're at the point in their life where they're seeking. They've tried status quo business solutions. It's gotten to them to maybe outer success, you know, awards, financial success, but there's something that's missing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Typically that's meaning and purpose and care for themselves. And they're seeking for like this outside of the box solution, but it doesn't necessarily, I'm, I'm equal opportunity open to open to share this business model with anyone who finds it interesting. I just have seen Richard that women tend to be seeking this Mm -hmm. um, more than, more than um, men. They're open. They're willing to explore and experiment Mm -hmm. with me. Her website, Claudia's website, is beyondordinary.business. That's beyondordinary.business, which we will be linked to. I wanted to ask you in regards to this aspect of uh, cultivating a particular um, – the, the term today now is, is, is uh, uh, cultivating, uh, I guess, a, a different 
what do they call it, a business culture now or something like that mm -hmm. uh, in, in the work environment. Well, the work environment's changed so much that it's like, uh, uh, I've worked at, an, um, I actually did a tally just the other day, and it turns out that in the 43 years, I've actually worked for 10 different radio stations. Uh, several of them, of course, in Phoenix, Arizona, and then, of course, here in Santa Barbara, I've worked for several. And uh, I am now at a, a radio station that I've been at for 16 years. Uh, early part was part-time, but overall, 16 years. So it's the longest uh, job in my career that I've ever held. And I have to say that uh, with, the, with only one exception, every single job I've had in radio specifically or doing production for someone on the side has always been overall a very pleasant and uh, a wonderful experience where if you could go, for example, if you could go back and do that again, would you? And I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, there was one where I had a very, it was a very hostile work environment. The general manager uh, who hired me through the sale, this was the station where they hired me through the sales department. For the first month or so, it was as if I was his best friend. I could do no wrong. After I was put in that position, he started treating me as if I had just killed his best friend. And that went on for nine months. I refused to quit, but I would hide out in the production room just to stay out of his way and his wrath. I even asked him once, well, what's, what's going on here? Why, why are you treating me like this? And I never really got an answer. I found out later what was what the deal was. The station was being used as a tax write-off for the owner. But be that as it may, I loved working with everybody else at that radio station. I loved the work that I was doing, the creativity uh, that we all were inspired to do, so to speak, just from our, our ourselves. So I wanted to ask you about this one element that you don't hear about in business, in running your own company and so forth. And that is self-care. I hear about it all the time when it comes to therapy and you're going through certain situations in your life with a partner or children or what have you. Be sure to take care of yourself, Richard. You got to be, you got to have that self-care. Take time out for you. But if you're running a business, how do you do that? So how do you, uh, how do you inject that into the teaching into the philosophy of a beautiful business? Oh, that is really, that took me, Richard, a long time to really understand. And I have to say that I probably, every time I got depressed because business just was not meeting my expectation of that flirt, you know, that thriving that you were talking about, where I was like, I'm not thriving. Okay, let me switch this. Let me switch this. Let me switch this. And I really looked towards the business as being that solution. I, I just thought if I could get it right in the business, I'm, I'm going to thrive. I will have everything that I need because I was so focused. And I was really seeing the business as and, and myself as one. And so I, I just kind of forgot myself personally. Mm -hmm. And I just became a workaholic. So when COVID hit, and um, I ran the numbers and I had to make a decision and that was to sell the business. 
because I'd never worked in the business. I worked on the business. Mm -hmm. And my role there was to coach the, the team members um, and run all the financial, you know, run the daily operations of the business. So when COVID hit and all of a sudden, um, I don't have access to that business. It's, it's like somebody crushed me and I lost my identity. I didn't, I no longer had that vehicle to get to thriving. So I really had to come back and do a lot of soul searching and um, build processes. Uh, I call them rituals now um, <laughs> because that's the way they feel for me to take care of myself. Because what I understood is that if I take care of myself, I'm going to show up in a very, very different way. And I'm going to show up in a way that is regenerative, that supports others and supports myself. So it's really about creating practices. Um, and this is part of what we teach is there's very practical skills that we teach our clients. And that is how to create practices that bring wellness to yourself and then to the business. And again, it's you and we. It, it, it is a, a being at the intersection of taking care of yourself and then taking care of other people and being very practical about it. Um, we have a, we use that, that nature, the model of the seasons. And I use that in my own personal life. And I do planning, uh, I work, I, I reflect and I rest. And I take that from the day all the way up to the year and even up until three years. So I'm very much planning, reflecting, resting and and do and and being in action mm -hmm. i i don't leave that out of the day it it's built in to every aspect of how i spend my time and what i focus on and that's how i care for myself mm. we are talking with claudia rucker she um rather extraordinary uh, title if you will business refinement consultant and we certainly hope that you will look her up by going to beyondordinary.business that's beyondordinary.business to find out more about her about the work that she does that maybe she can help you to thrive in the work that you are doing and i will tell you that as far as this program is concerned we encourage people claudia to do something they love doing and it's going to be, it, it, it's, you know, it's when I say that, I hear in the back of my head the line from this old uh, motor oil commercial going back uh, 20, 30 years. Yous can pay me now or yous can pay me later dealing with, you know, taking care of your vehicle or taking care of your body in terms of eating the right things, you know, and so forth. Well, in this case, it would be the same thing as far as your business because I would venture that uh, if, if your business wasn't doing well, you don't just walk away. Uh, you know, there's, you know, it's going to cost, it, it actually costs to start a business and it actually costs to end a business. So if you can start a business that is going to have some longevity, assuming that's what you want, and you want to make sure that it's something that you enjoy doing, that's, that's, that's half the battle. I mean, I, I now, when I approach new projects, especially when it comes to narrating books, and I tell you what, 
I've got a major project I'm working on now, and I thought that I was going to enter this thing going, oh, my God, six books? They're, they're, they're 110,000 words each? Oh, Lord, this is going to be drudgery. I'm never going to... No. It's like every time I sit down to record a chapter, I'm excited about reading the story as if I was reading it for my own pleasure, as well as producing this narrative for the client and making it the best that it can be with my editing uh, skills. So uh, we encourage you folks, find your life's purpose. Let's talk a little bit about that. As we continue with Claudia Rucker, again, it's beyond ordinary.com and, uh, and it's not a dot com i beg your pardon it's beyond ordinary dot business and we're going to talk about uh, uh the whole life's purpose concept here in just a moment as we continue here on tell me your story i'm richard dugan your host and claudia rucker is my guest and we are talking about the work that she's doing her business beyond ordinary dot business and uh being a uh, business refinement consultant. Again, I, I, it's, it's a whole new one on me. By the way, here's another term for you. I had never heard this before, and I was watching a video of a, a guest that's going to be upcoming on this program. He is a, he's not only a chef, he's also he's got a medical degree. And he now uses the term culinary medicine. And he says it's not just what you eat. It's how you eat it. It's where you eat it. It's when you eat it. It's with whom you eat it. I mean, it's it's like an almost to the extreme of holistic. And I just I'm, I like I can hardly wait to talk to him about that. So let's talk about uh, this aspect of helping people to to refine their their business model through your business model, your your four steps and so forth. And that person's, shall we put it in this context, that person's life's purpose or that which they can do that brings them joy that they would love to turn into a business, yes, to make money, but also to share that vocation with the rest of the world, as I mentioned earlier. Well... I think that this concept of, of being passionate and finding meaning, it's, it's very much in the mainstream right now. Um, I think what happens is you can be passionate about something, you can start the business, but to carry that business to, to be sustainable, mm -hmm. to be long-term, it really takes skills. It, it takes um, experience and it takes support. And so what I, what I want to share with the listeners is it's not just having purpose and meaning. It's, it's about being very grounded and present to, the, to what's happening in the business and in your personal life by taking care of yourself. And in addition to that, it's really being supported. It's really being supported with a caring group of trusted partners. And this is where I think the model is so beautiful is there's a piece of it where we actually teach entrepreneurs how to go out 
and seek support from trusted partners. Because long-term sustainability, you can have long-term meaning in life, but you could very well get trapped into the entrepreneurial um, lie, which I like to call it, right? Mm -hmm. Is, oh, I'm going to take this thing that I'm very passionate and I find a lot of, it brings me a lot of meaning and purpose in life. And now I'm commodifying it for financial, uh, for financial sustainability, that kind of takes all the meaning and the profit out of it with today's status quo business practices. It just strips it. So you find yourself in this really lonely, empty place. And what I would like to invite our listeners to really hear is, yes, purpose and meaning. Yes, business success. Yes, being supported by trusted partners and in relationship with employees. Yes, financial literacy skills, uh, empathetic communication skills, experience and practice. It's not one thing. It's multiple things working interdynamically um, and seeing your business as a living organism that needs to be cared for um, in su- with support of multiple people. Are there... So it's, it's a rather complex answer mm-hmm. uh, and one that is totally unique to the business owner. Well, now, would you say that there are some environmental slash institutional challenges that you have to overcome? Uh, and I speak specifically of our educational system in this country that um, most people, I, I don't know how many people, I don't know what the stats are on how many people, but there are those who are um, not happy with the current educational system. It's just woefully inadequate. It's just not teaching our kids what they really need to know and so forth. And, and But see, they were saying that when I was in school in the 70s. And so it's got to have gotten a whole lot worse on top of the fact that you don't have a real safe environment anymore. I mean, good Lord, I don't know that I'd even want to go to to a, to a, a, a brick-and-mortar school with the, the, the dangers, uh, let alone the—I'm uh, wondering about the attitudes and the mentality, shall we say, of the younger generation, and uh, that would be anybody younger than 62, <laughs> the millennials, the whatever, the generation A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, what are some of those challenges that you face, or do you really face them because the folks that you're working with, who are usually probably around your age, maybe a little over, maybe a little younger, they're already in the mindset of there's a lot of work I have to do and so forth and so on. And they're coming to you saying, can you help me? Because I need to get educated in in these different areas that you kind of alluded to earlier um, because they don't. They, it's like someone said to me the other day, they should be teaching you, teaching kids, uh, even though most people most people don't write checks anymore. How to balance your checkbook or keep keep a, an eye on your balance and make sure you don't overspend on your card, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and uh, uh, how to uh, figure out whether or not you're getting a good a deal on the house and the car and uh, the best prices maybe for the things that you buy for the house. You, you know, those kinds of financial 
issues. Uh, you know, I mean, I was asked the other day, what's a fiduciary? It's like, um, well, you know, why don't you Google that? I'm, I have no idea. But, but are these some of the challenges or are people coming to you with that already part of their their makeup that they're they 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 got it but they need they need a little little support um i'm going to share a statistic that one of my um friends who who is a local banker here shared with me um because i asked her what when i was doing the research for beyond ordinary business i asked her um what do you what do you think is the like what percentage of your um business owners do you think are are financially literate and she told me 50 percent. and she said um if those 50 percent could have financial literacy then i think that their businesses would just explode and they would be successful and i'm talking about success in outer you know sure, outer sure. Success. Mm-hmm. um so that's something that I saw as a, I experienced myself. I grew uh, in a 1,200 square feet space in the nail world, right? With nail services, I grew over to over a million dollars. Now there's only at that time, only 2% of women business owners were um, generated more than a million dollars in their businesses. So it's a very small, a very small amount. I didn't have any financial literacy, sheer determination, sheer determination and hard work got me to that level. Um, when I actually, but I couldn't get a loan. So the, the banker sent me to Weave and Weave was willing to give me a loan. And they said, but we think you need a little bit of support to be able to um, really understand uh, financial literacy which we think will really benefit you in growing your your company. Mm. So I said, sure, I'll do anything. I will take any course that you want. Teach me whatever <laughs> you want. I'll do it. Just give me the loan. Um, and it was the best decision I ever made because with financial literacy, a whole new world opened up to me. And that's really when I started to understand business And I started to understand that I could do business differently and I could do business and think outside of the box because I was financially literate and I knew, and I built tools for myself that basically would test my assumptions because I have a strong intuition, but I was, but I also am a data person and I would love to see data that actually supports that intuition. Mm -hmm. And it was that magic. The financial literacy was the key piece to it. So getting back to your, you know, um, comment about the educate, the education that we get uh, today in our country, um, it's so deprived of really practical and practical knowledge, core knowledge that we need to thrive as human beings. And I think that it's one of the, the greatest sadnesses that I have about the education system is teach practical skills teach that teach the youth how to use them with practical tools that will help them and we're seeing more of that um but i but i've seen the benefit of that Mm -hmm. um at the in our business what we did was we taught a toolkit we called it the toolkit for life 
and they were life skills, which was empathetic communication, um, business and personal financial literacy skills. And we also gave women a place to um, hone their skill that they had learned in trade school. We were in the cosmetology industry. So these are mainly 20 year old women that are not college bound and that come from um, uh, generational poverty. Mm. Well, we gave them that toolkit and a place to hone their skills they're, they're and practice all of these. And um, we showed them great appreciation. We saw them maybe for the first time, we saw them as um, the beautiful people that they were. Mm -hmm. And they were, um, and then, I'm sorry, I'm going to get a little emotional because I have seen just such a radical change um, in these women. And we empowered them to be in choice. And uh, what happens from that? You know, they leave our, they leave our environment, our, our business. And we knew that they would from the very beginning. We knew that we had one year with them to help them hone these skills. And from there, we knew that they would go on and transcend the beauty industry into the medical industry or use entrepreneurship as a vehicle to get out of generational poverty or for home ownership as another vehicle. But those practical, tactical skills and giving them a place to hone them, that was the magic. And then I heard that the challenge is 50% of our um, entrepreneurs don't have financial literacy. And I was like, this is where we could start. I could start with financial literacy, planning, how to make, um, how to prioritize all of these skills that we're not really given before we get our business license, but that are crucial in our sustainability and our long-term success, whatever that means to mm. any of us. And that's what I think about the education system and how we're really, really missing the mark. Yeah. and how we can leverage businesses to fill in that gap. Now, here's the real irony to the criticisms of the educational system. I wonder how many parents of children during COVID uh, who criticized the educational system when we were getting uh, rather fatigued after a year and a half and they wanted to send the kids back to school. I'm going, wait, wait a minute, you criticized the school system, but now you want to send them back? I don't get it. You know, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. And basically it's, well, we need the babysitter. We need the schools to take care of our kids so we can go, obviously go off to work or what have you. And I, it's like, no, that, you, that, you, we can't play this game anymore. We've got to fix it. And I have to say that I would never go back and file a lawsuit against my, the, the, the grade school and high school that I went through for the things that I feel like they didn't teach me. I would be grateful for the things that they did teach me and the education that I have gotten since. Uh, you have, a, a, what, an MBA? No, I just, I have a BA and I say that I have a BA. an MBA from the School of Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks, right. <laughs> That's what, my MBA is from the, whole, the School of Hard Knocks. There you go. Well, I, I have, I, and I'm not sure which is higher, a PhD or a master's. I get those confused. All I know, uh, PhD. PhD is a higher. I like to think of myself as having a PhD in eclectic studies because doing this program, 
it's just been unbelievable, the education that I've gotten. I want to ask you before we wrap things up here, you used the word intuition. We want to talk about that a little bit as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we're talking with Claudia Rucker. She is a business refinement consultant, if you will, and uh, that is at beyondordinary.business. That's beyondordinary.business. We'll be linked to your website, too, Claudia. You used the word intuition a few moments ago to uh, uh, talk about uh, this aspect of, of, um, uh, let me put it this way. I have no idea how to write out a business plan that I needed uh, that I need to take with me to the financial institution to get a loan to start a business. All right. Uh, I don't even want to deal with writing a business plan uh, that I would take to a financial institution to get a loan for my business because I just want to do what it is that I do. I don't want to deal with all of that other stuff. And it's like, could I just get a staff? Claudia, just let me give me a staff to take care of all of these other things so that I can just do that which I love doing. And I'm sure that you run into people like that. But how does intuition play into all of this? Because it sounds to me like what you described just a few moments ago uh, about going in and getting a loan. And the requirement was that you had to take some financial educational course of sorts. And you said, "Uh, I'm in. And obviously... That must have been an internal, there wasn't an internal struggle. You wanted to get the loan, and it wasn't just about the money. It was about starting, as you've used the term, sustainable business. Um, you just knew that you knew that you knew that uh, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I are, are <clears throat> you know, uh, sure, you're going to do it. You, you're going to, you've made the decision because this is the commitment you've made to yourself. Uh, what about that still small voice we promote here on the program quite regularly that we want people to go within and listen to? Uh, how, how, how big a role, from your perspective, does that play in a person's uh, starting and running their business? It's, it's fun to, I mean, it's so important. Um, and most of the women that I own have, um, trust their intuition and yet there's a niggle, right. That is always like, Oh, uh, like a, like a little voice that's saying, but you might be wrong. That's why the, the financial literacy and the database, that's why I like it because there was always that niggle for me that was like, yeah, it's the self-trust piece. And, and yet what I have found is that having the, the financial literacy and the tools, mm-hmm. the practical tools to test those assumptions um, or to test that my intuitive energetic yes, um, what happens is I'm going to be right on like 99.9% of the time. And this is what I see with women entrepreneurs is that they are right on 99.9% of the time, but the niggle is still there. It takes up capacity. It takes up energy in their brain and they can't focus on what they really should be focused because they always have that inner critic or that inner, you know, niggle uh, saying, well, you might be wrong. So that's why the, the practical tools for me are very important because as you're developing the self-trust, 
you have something to fall back on in the interim. But most women, to answer your question that I work with, their, their, their intuition is strong and they would not be where they're at without trusting their intuition. But there is that inner dialogue, that inter, the self-trust, the, the, the chatter of, I might be wrong. And yet living life, doing life, thriving um, is about being okay with uh, challenge, with the resistance mm-hmm. and the beauty that comes out of that. But that, it, that comes along with hard, uh, working that muscle of self-trust. Mm-hmm. And once you have the self trust, it, it's it's thriving. It contributes. It can it contributes to the thriving. Um, I also want to just comment on what you said, which you brought it. I was giggling when you said, "I just want somebody to do it for me." Yeah. <laughs> A lot of the women that I work with have found great value when they're working with me to bring in what I call an integrator. It's that person that has different skills and a a, a different unique genius that kind of is like me more operational minded because the, the, um, the owner usually is the visionary, right? It's, it's that person that has the, the self-trust and is so beautifully complemented by an operations integrator person. So a lot of, um, I'm working with a client right now where she is the visionary and very, I mean, that woman, understands her numbers on an intuitive level that just kind of blew my mind. And, um, and yet she's, she's working with a, a, a support person um, who she trusts and is a valued partner. Um, and they are working together on the piece, the, the practical tools, mm-hmm. the financial literacy, the data piece, so that the company, in case something happens to the visionary, uh, the company can still continue um, moving forward. And there's a second person that is supporting the the business owner in case she wants to take a vacation, in case she wants to you know, have a baby, in case she wants to live her life on her own terms. This is the way that they have, this is built into the system, the sustainability piece, is that we're inviting people to work in collaboration with us. It's not all dependent on on us, the, the business owner and visionary in the business. I, I tell you, um, the reason that I even brought this up is because in 1994, I started a business uh, doing production and so forth. And at the end of the year, when I did the taxes, I did not know that I had to file a Schedule C. And when it was all said and done, I owed the federal government $3,000. I shut the business down. I said, I will never do that again unless I have an accountant or CPA or what have you who will take care of that, you know. (laughs) Now, that's that's where I was back then. I've learned an awful lot since then. I don't have that business at present, but I'm doing that kind of work like on the side. You know, it trickles Mm -hmm. in here and there. And I know that that's one of the reasons why people, you know, they get squeamish over the other aspects of the business that they want to run because they've had a bad experience such as what I've just described. And so that leads me to this question. And you're dealing primarily with women who may have gone through in their past a great deal of 
and I'm going to use the term resistance to them living their own lives. Okay. I'm going to keep it there. And they come to you. Yeah, I have this idea, but I don't know. And it's because people kept telling them, no, nah, it'll never work. And, yeah, yeah. and you're not smart enough. You don't have this. You don't have that. You don't, you know. And it's the, it's not, it, it has, it becomes their self-talk. It wasn't, but it becomes the self-talk from the people around them. How do you break through that self-talk to get them to a place where, they have the confidence in themselves, not just because they may not even have the skills and the abilities yet for these other things like the financial education, uh, but the confidence to get it. Like you said, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to get the loan. How, how, where do you start with someone who's got that, that baggage? Um... Well, it's a money mindset, right? Mm -hmm. It's a it's a money mindset, but I, more than that, I think it's a it's a lack of wanting support, right? Have, being stuck in the in the um, what we we've been told, right? I was told by my immigrant parents, "You work hard, you get up every day, and you work hard, and you'll be successful." Um, where I come from a long line of entrepreneurs uh, that worked very hard to um, in their businesses just to, to be able to just survive. It was a survivalist mentality. I come along and I say, well, you know, I want to be successful, but I want to be successful in outer terms. So I was fed uh, and believed my mindset was I have to do it all alone by sheer force and I incorporated the hard work. Today I say the money piece and the success of the business comes by really um, understanding one, where along the lines did you, helping them try to understand where along the lines they started to buy in to that piece of information mm -hmm. that, that that causes the resistance. So we're trying to figure out what the resistance is and build awareness towards it. And you know, sometimes that is um, trauma. And this is where the mental health piece, I am a very big advocate for, for mental health, right? Because what I have found even in my in my own flourishing is that without the mental health piece, the trauma addressing the trauma piece that um and understanding that i need support and success will come by working in collaboration with trusted partners mm -hmm. and that um they may know a little bit more than i know but i'm in we're not in a judging relationship right i'm in relationship with them they care for me and they want what's best for me that's that's kind of i share that story with them and Typically, we'll do coaching around what's the resistance piece mm -hmm. and work on the resistance piece and name it, be aware of it. And when it comes into the conversations, you know, offer reframes. A lot of this comes, I have, um, I was, during COVID, I was hired as the operations, um, the chief operating officer for a mental health um, agency that deals with the underserved 
um, Latinx population. And this is where I understood the benefit of mental, of like the mental health piece. But I also understood that I could take some of those practices that they use in therapy and we could address those blocks, those resistance and offer reframes for them. And in the reframing, that's the magic piece. If you have a coach that's coaching you and is, and is hearing you and reflecting and asking you what you need in that moment. So it's coaching and kind of therapy. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a little mix of all of that, but really it's awareness building on what, on the resistance piece. Well, I know that um, uh, in my book choices, the, uh, the fourth step has to do with um, matching your personal input, which includes the people you surround yourself with. And Mm -hmm. uh, it, it means that you need to be, uh, more discerning uh, about the people that you have in your life and that if uh, you're not looking for yes people, but what you are looking for people at the very least who aren't tearing down your dream. All right. They may not be building it up, but they're not tearing it down. And um, and so that's that's really the, the, the first step. Uh, and I just I just it's it it's funny because I um I have uh, uh, I have found that um, the this process of um, these negative uh, thoughts, if you will, you know, the, those challenges. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I have ever been told, but it's because I've heard the messages from mm-hmm. elsewhere. In other words, no what my parents never told me I couldn't do. My siblings never said you can't do. Uh, my educational system never really said you can't do. And yet I still have some of those messages inside. And it's like, why the heck did I take those in? You know, <laughs> what the heck was I, I thinking? I, they weren't mine, you know? And so now I've got to work through those to say, hey, I can do, I can do damn near anything I want to do, uh, especially considering, and I think back to this, I would, you know, just for your information, I was born legally blind. I couldn't drive until I had a lens implant when I was 30, 36. And now, not only am I driving, driving, but I'm actually taking flying lessons. I'm getting airtime in, in, a, in a small little plane of a friend of mine who's teaching me how to fly. Who knew that this would happen? It was certainly a, a dream, but I got to a point where I just kind of gave up the dream and said, ah, that would be cool. But I, I understand I have these limitations. You know, they're perceived, granted. But, hey, you know, and now here I am. And it's like, wow, because you, you just never know. Do you find that when you start evaluating and discerning your, the personal input, including the people around you, with the women that you deal with specifically, that their world sort of turns upside down in a good way, that things start happening to them as they begin to shift uh, that probably wouldn't have happened had they not shifted? Had they not made the mindset change uh, and the attitudinal change and maybe, again, listening to that, trusting the still small voice, the intuition? Yeah, I find that in the process, um, which my process 
mirrors this. Um, it's you're going to have to be supported by a support group that shares values and like um, like and be in relationship. Mm-hmm. It's be a relationship with a support group because you can't go through this process alone. There's a lot of you know kind of what am I going to keep and what am I going to um, do away with? I like to call it your unbecoming, that person that you were, um, and you're becoming this version of yourself that is committed to thriving. And in that process, it, it really requires a lot of a lot of support from people who share values. So I'm speaking to what you were talking about, surrounding yourself by, with people who care about you, that you're in relationship with, and that are going to be there for you. And I'm talking about professionally and also uh, personally in your personal life. Um, but it is like with any process that requires refinement or beautification or change or transformation, it is that process of what am I going to take with me and what am I going to leave behind? And what I'm taking with me, I'm only, t- I'm only taking what will serve me um, to in, in creating this life for myself, being in action towards that journey and being just committed to learning. I don't know if you see the books over here, but I'm a student, uh, I'm, I'm a student for, for life mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly, um, because I don't believe that I always have it figured out. I always believe that I can incorporate. So I'm never going to stop. It's, you just kind of have to be, you know, you have to be resourced enough to understand that we're going to constantly be in motion in life. And all we're doing is we're in action to try to figure out how do we handle the ebbs and flows of life? so that we're grounded and present and we're really truly enjoying the relationships that we're in. And that, that can be any kind of relationship that we're in. So I hope that answers your, your question. I know I kind of got, I brought in a lot to it, but um, they, uh, my, my friend calls me a, a, she says you're a concatenator. So I'm the queen of commas, right? Well, I, I will tell you, first of all, that stack of books, I don't know how it's still standing upright because you'd think it would fall over. And I don't know how you'd get any book out of the stack. It's kind of like the game, uh, what is it, uh, Jenga? You know, yeah. uh, you know, they pull one out and it's going to fall over there. Uh, uh, so I'm guessing that they're probably all glued together or something. Uh, that's fascinating. There, there's little shelves. Little shelves. There's okay, little there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Folks, uh, who are listen- yeah, if you're listening... Uh, on the broadcast or podcast, you don't see it. So you have to go to the YouTube to see this stack of books in these little shelves that she's got there, which I think is really cool. I've got bookcases full of books, and I've got containers at home, boxes full of books that I have been collecting over the last 15 years of this radio program uh, that um, I think what I'm going to do is I would love to find uh, – I did this back in Phoenix before we moved to Santa Barbara. I had the same thing. I had been collecting books and books and books and books. And I went to one of the used bookstores. And they, oh, yeah, we buy them. You know, uh, you know, maybe pennies on the dollar kind of thing. But, uh, hey, anything is better than nothing. I'm thinking, I'm going to take these books and sift through them to see if there are any 
that I, I really want. I figure if they've been in the box for a year, they take the whole box and just see about putting these into circulation in terms of uh, uh, educating and helping people to, to, to learn more about what our guests are doing. Um, so, you know, that's, that's something that I think is really cool. They talk about an education. Uh, what, a, what, a, uh, what a great thing to, uh, to have is to read, uh, read all these different books. I still remember <clears throat> buying the copy of A Stranger in a Strange Land, the, uh, the, the science fiction story. I could barely get through it. I mean, it was, it was like this thick, you know, paperback. Finally came out on Audible, and I must have listened to it two or three times. Loved the story. Hated the ending, but loved the story. <laughs> and, um, um, you know, you just never know what you're going to learn from whatever it is that you read. But again, you do need to be discerning. And we thank you for for uh, for helping us to uh, understand that as well through the work that you do. Claudia Rucker, my guest here, and her website is beyondordinary.business. That's beyondordinary.business. This is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, along with Claudia Rucker. And um, Claudia, we are uh, fast approaching the end of our program. I have three questions, three final questions to ask you. I want to thank you for giving oh, no. us... lightning round. Lightning, <laughs> yeah. I, a matter of fact, I used to go off into the... And now it's time for the game show portion of our program where we uh, do the lightning round, where, you know. I love uh, it. I love that's it. right. And every uh, answer to the question is worth 500 points. <laughs> uh, but before I it do that, I want to... <laughs> there you go. I want to let you, the listener and the viewer, know that uh, this is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m. with our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We uh, also stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. The podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and many, many other locations, as well as on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. You can see Claudia's stack of books behind her that they actually looks like a stack of books, but again, it's these small little shelves, which I think is great. And then um, we also ask you to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision where we uh, ask you to go within and listen to and trust that still small voice. I got to tell you, from personal experience, sometimes it takes a while to trust completely. I think that I'm at that place now where I do. I do trust, uh, and um, uh, and then there are times when I want to resist. I really do, but it's like, you know where that gets you, don't you? So please, spend some time in that still, quiet, peaceful, calm space, just listening. And even if it's just being still, that's, uh, that's half the battle, to be quite honest with you. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing, uh, we would greatly appreciate any financial help that you can provide us. Uh, and we have a PayPal account. And it is for your security as well as ours. And any amount is welcome. Just go to PayPal. You want to send. And they'll ask for you an email address to send to. And it's richard at richarddugan.com. With that, we now uh, do move to the lightning round. We uh, don't want to get struck by lightning or start any fires. But what we do is uh, elicit some interesting thought from our guest. And the first of the three questions uh, to our guest here on the program is... Who is Claudia Rucker? Oh, Claudia Rucker is a kind, compassionate person that is sees the world through lenses of 
empowerment and transformation and human flourishing. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? I'd love to re I'd love to have the service industry. Um, I want it to be reimagined as a vehicle to leverage to change the world, to bring more human flourishing to the world. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Oh, thank you for asking that. For me, my life purpose is to be of service to humanity um, and also at the, at the, through my unique genius, which is um, bringing this framework and working in collaboration to reimagine the service, uh, the service industry. And while doing that and being of service, uh, to not forget myself and be grounded and present to the joy of life mm. when I'm in right relationship with myself and with others. Well, Claudia Rucker, thank you again for uh, giving us so much time and sharing your story with us about BeyondOrdinary.Business and helping uh, both men and women to um, create beautiful, sustainable, uh, thriving, and what was that word you just used a few moments ago? Um, uh, It's kind of along the same lines as thriving. Uh, uh, businesses. Right relationship. Well, right relationship. Started with an F. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just streams out of me, Richard. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol, and Jeanette. I am listening.